The House and Senate will both return on Monday and stay in session through Thursday. Last week on the House floor, the House came back to work last Tuesday and took up and passed three bills under suspension of the rules. One of those bills was H.R. 1044, the so-called Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act. It was passed by a vote of 365 to 65, with 140 Republicans voting in favor and 57 Republicans voting against. We'll talk more about that in a moment. On Thursday, the House took up and began consideration of H.R. 2500, the National Defense Authorization Act. Beginning right before 2 p.m. Thursday and continuing through 1.27 p.m. Friday, the House considered 34 amendments, of which all but nine passed. Eventually, the bill as amended passed by a vote of 230 to 197, with 16 members not voting. Then the House voted on H.R. 1327, the Never Forget the Heroes, James Zagroga, Ray Pfeiffer and Luis Alvarez permanent authorization of the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund Act. The bill passed by a vote of 402 to 12, with 19 members not voting. And then they were done. This week on the House floor, the House will return Monday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to consider 14 bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House will consider H.R. 3494, the Damon Paul Nelson and Matthew Young Pollard Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2020. Later on Tuesday, the House will consider an as yet unnumbered resolution recommending that the House of Representatives find Attorney General Barr and Commerce Secretary Ross in contempt of Congress for their refusal to comply with subpoenas issued by the Committee on Oversight and Reform. The committee has subpoenaed testimony and documents related to the Trump administration's attempt to include a citizenship question on the upcoming 2020 census, but the two Trump administration senior officials have been unresponsive. On Wednesday, the House will take up eight more bills under suspension of the rules. Then the House will consider three resolutions providing for congressional disapproval of various arms transfers and exports from the United States to Saudi Arabia, the United Kingdom, the Kingdom of Spain, the Italian Republic, and the Republic of France. On Thursday, the House will consider H.R. 582, the Raise the Wage Act, a bill that would raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour over five years. Last week on the Senate floor, the Senate returned on Monday and moved to invoke cloture on the nomination of Daniel Aaron Bress to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Through the course of the week, the Senate voted to confirm the following people to the following positions. Daniel Aaron Bress to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. T. Kent Weatherell II to be U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Florida. J. Nicholas Ranjan to be U.S. District Judge for the Western District of Pennsylvania. Dom Ray Lighty to be a U.S. District Judge for the Northern District of Indiana. Robert L. King to be Assistant Secretary of Post-Secondary Education at the Department of Education. John P. Palash to be Assistant Secretary of Labor. Peter C. Wright to be Assistant Administrator, Office of Solid Waste Environmental Protection Agency. This week on the Senate floor, they'll come back to work on Monday at 5.30 p.m. The first vote will be a vote to invoke cloture on the nomination of Peter Joseph Phipps to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Based on the Majority Leader's cloture filings at the end of last week, the rest of this week's schedule will look like this. First up are four votes on tax treaties with Spain, the Swiss Federation, Japan, and Luxembourg. Then we move to nominations. Clifton L. Corker to be U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of Tennessee. Linda Blanchard to be Ambassador of the United States to the Republic of Slovenia, and Donald R. Tapia to be Ambassador of the United States to Jamaica. 
On the border security immigration front, several items of note since we last spoke. First, the Washington Examiner reported last Tuesday that, quote, the number of people taken into custody after illegally crossing from Mexico into the United States dropped in June for the first time in six months, plummeting by more than 37,500 since May, end quote. So in June, just under 95,000 people were apprehended trying to cross our southwest border illegally. That compares to 132,000 arrested in May along the southwest border. That was the highest number in one month since March 2006. Don't get too excited, though, thinking this is all a result of Mexico's decision to start policing its own southern borders as a result of the pressure President Trump put on the Mexican government. It's still too early to tell how much of this is due to Mexico getting tougher on migrants crossing its own borders and how much of it is just standard seasonal reductions because it gets awfully hot in the summertime and not as many people make the trek in the summer. Second, the so-called Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act was brought to the floor under suspension of the rules and passed by a huge bipartisan vote. This bill never should have been brought to the floor under suspension. There was no hearing for this bill. There were an awful lot of upset conservatives when they saw this bill coming to the floor of the House without a hearing. This bill should have been called the Intel Doesn't Want to Pay Its High-Tech Labor Force Much Act. The legislation, according to an analysis from Numbers USA, quote, increases the per country cap on family-based immigrant visas from 7% of the total number of such visas available to 15% and eliminates the 7% cap for employment-based immigrant visas. So we're gonna have to push back against this bill in the Senate. The companion legislation there is S-386 and at the White House to make sure the high-tech lobby doesn't get to President Trump. Third, immigration and customs enforcement personnel began deportation raids this weekend, targeting across 10 cities some 2,000 illegal immigrants who have already gone through our legal system and received a deportation order but have not yet left. Speaker Pelosi really went out on a limb here and told the members of the House Democratic Caucus that they should all tell their constituents that there are legal ways to fight deportation and to remind them that if ICE agents show up at a home without a search warrant signed by a judge, the resident of the home, even if they're an illegal immigrant with a signed deportation order against them, is within his or her rights to refuse to open the door and let in the ICE agents. Fourth, Homeland Security Acting Secretary Kevin McAleenan is under investigation to determine whether or not he is the source of the leak two weeks ago that led to the delay of the deportation raids that are going on this weekend. Now to the citizenship question. So let's just cut to the chase. After some confusion in the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling that there was no constitutional reason the Trump administration could not add a citizenship question to the census, but the reason offered in its legal defense was lacking, the Trump administration decided in the end not to attempt to add a citizenship question to the census. Instead, President Trump on Thursday ordered the various agencies of the federal government to send all citizenship data to the Commerce Department. The president insists he's been told this is a better way to get at that data anyway. We'll see. On the Russia hoax front, after much back and forth, the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees announced that they would delay their hearing with former special counsel Robert Mueller by one week so that they could have him long enough to allow every member of both committees enough time to ask him five minutes of questions. Under the previous agreement, Mueller would only have been asked questions by 22 members of each committee. That would have been fine for the Intelligence Committee. 
But the Judiciary Committee has 41 members, and not having enough time for every member to ask five minutes worth of questions wasn't sitting well with the lower-ranking members. So mark your calendar for Wednesday, July 24th. That's the day Mueller will testify before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. It will happen two days before the House is scheduled to go on leave for six weeks. So I'm not sure it will have the impact the Democrats hoped it would. Now to the spending front. There are just a few weeks left before we hit the August recess. The House is currently scheduled to leave for a six-week break beginning on July 26th, and the Senate is scheduled to leave for a five-week break beginning on August 2. Neither House will return before September 9. But Houston, we have a problem. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has been telling anyone who will listen that Congress is going to need to move up the debt ceiling exercise because he's likely to run out of money before Congress returns in September. Actually, he ran out of money several months ago. He's been using what the Treasury Department euphemistically refers to as extraordinary measures to keep paying the bills on time. But now he's saying publicly that he thinks he's going to exhaust those extraordinary measures before Congress returns in September. And that means he's going to need Congress to act to raise the debt ceiling before they leave town for the August break. That makes precisely no one on Capitol Hill happy. They were hoping and planning to combine the debt ceiling vote with a vote on a two-year spending deal that would bust the budget caps to avoid the sequester spending cuts. But they haven't yet cut that deal, so they can't very well add another title to the bill that simply raises the debt ceiling because there is no bill yet. Instead, they'll have to find another must-pass bill to which they can attend, to which they can add the debt ceiling increase. Luckily for them, there happens to be a bill that fits the bill, H.R. 1327, the Never Forget the Heroes, James Zadroga, Ray Pfeiffer, and Luis Alvarez Permanent Authorization of the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund Act. That's the bill that passed by a vote of 402 to 12 in the House last week. So don't be surprised if sometime this week or next, the Senate takes up H.R. 1327, adds an amendment that would allow for a debt ceiling increase, passes the bill, and then sends it back to the House with the debt ceiling amendment attached. That would still leave a spending deal to be had. Uh, Pay attention now because I'm going to give you four options. This is one of the votes that we're going to poll you on momentarily. So a spending deal, moving from the least costly to the most costly in terms of spending taxpayer dollars, I see four options. First, hold to the current spending levels written into law as part of the 2011 Budget Control Act. Those are the sequester spending levels you've heard about. And holding to them would require the government to spend about $126 billion less next year than it was planning on spending. No one on Capitol Hill other than the House Freedom Caucus wants to cut spending this much. Second, continue to spend next year what we spent this year by passing a one-year continuing resolution. That would still spend more than is budgeted in the Budget Control Act spending levels, but not as much more as they would like to spend. This is what the spending hardliners in the White House are hoping for. Third, increase the defense spending levels beyond the levels called for in the Budget Control Act. That would bust the budget by about $71 billion in additional spending. This is what Senate Republicans would like to do. Fourth, take that defense spending increase and add to it another $55 billion or so in domestic spending increases. This is what Senate and House Democrats would like to do. And I'd be willing to bet 
that this is where we end up because Nancy Pelosi is better at these negotiations than is either Mitch McConnell or Donald Trump. We've seen her play high stakes card games before and she's very good at it. She's already played this game before with the other players at the start of this year when President Trump allowed the government to shut down for 35